0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's message from Greenville Vineyard. Um, today is the last in our heroic series. What has our heroic series been about? Well, basics this you were made for more. So, God has created and called you and I to become someone in His kingdom, not to settle for a lesser existence in an effort to be more palatable to the people around us, to be more popular to whatever trend is going on, but to be something greater in the kingdom of God and God calls us to this. To live lives that are that are spent in following Jesus and in partnering with him as he advances his kingdom on this earth to save people and to reconcile him. To reconcile them to himself. And so today we're wanting to begin to talk about failure. You know what do you do once you fall down, how do you get back up again? You know, what, what should your attitude to be when, when you're getting it wrong? When you're trying to do what God wants you to do in your life, when you're trying to partner with him, when you're trying to step out in faith, and it all goes south. Eric Little was a Scottish athlete, and he ran his first race for his Edinburgh Athletics Club in 1921. It's very famous, you'll figure it out in a second. He made his first appearance outside of Scotland in 1923. He ran his final competitive race in 1925, so he only had a four-year career. And in those years, he completed a degree in pure science. He became a religious speaker, a preacher of national renown. He won two Olympic medals, and he won seven caps playing rugby for his country, Scotland. In a famous quarter-mile race in 1923, he tripped over the legs of the English runner, J.J. Gillis. So it was basically like, you know, 400 meter race they started off was an elite race fell over by the time he was back on his feet the other four runners or five runners can't remember how many it was but i think it was four were 30 yards away and moving fast but little attacked them with such pace that he finally overtook all of them including gillis three yards from the line to win before collapsing spent to the ground And it says this in the Scotsman newspaper, it said, The circumstances in which Little won the event made it a performance bordering on the miraculous. Veterans whose memories take them back 35 years, in some cases even longer, in the history of athletics, were unanimous in the opinion that Little's win in the quarter mile was the greatest ever track performance they had ever seen. That story became really famous and ended up becoming what was the basis of the movie, Chariots of Fire, which was a big hit for a long time and many people will remember that film. But the key to it and what made Little famous was his response to failure, his response to falling down. Most people in a race that short would fall down, look up and go, oh my, my chances are done, they'd get up and probably maybe jog to the end, maybe quit. But very, very few would get up and run as hard as he did and end up winning the race. He really was a remarkable person. And so today I kind of want to look at biblical examples of that. A biblical, biblical example of someone who came back from defeat. Someone who rose from the ashes of failure to greatness. And that someone is called John Mark. And if you're not sure who John Mark is, just open your Bible to the book of Mark in the New Testament and It's that guy, the guy who gave us that. That's who we're going to be speaking about today. So before I get into our reading, which will actually be from Acts chapter 13 and chapter 15, why don't you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you so much that you invite us into more. Thank you that you invite us into more. Help us today to learn from John Mark help us to take encouragement from it and Lord forever whichever of us over here are needing to just get back up and run back into that race again Lord would you give us the boldness the strength and the ability to do that today God my words let them be from you in Jesus name I pray amen amen if you have a bible you can open up to Acts chapter 13 if not just it'll pop up on the screen and you can read it from there and I'm reading from verse 13, and it tells a story. It goes, Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship. Paphos was in, was in um, uh, Cyprus. <laughs> Forgot the name of the island for a brief second. For Pamphylia, landing in the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled in li- inland to Antioch of Pisidia. So this was... Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, they'd gone from uh, Jerusalem, headed over to Cyprus, done some work in Cyprus, and then headed over on the boat, and then John Mark leaves them abruptly. It it doesn't exactly say why, it doesn't talk about what what, what was going on, but we learn later that it wasn't a, a popular decision. So if you just page over a couple of pages to chapter 15, then we'll read from verse 36 to see some of the fallout of this. After some time, this is after they've come back from that long missionary journey, maybe a couple of years, we're not sure, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit visit each city where we previously preached the word of God to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. So we could see something went down. It was not a good thing, and we're going to see what we can learn from this text today. And the first thing I want to talk about is this we all fail. We all fall, sometimes with serious consequences. So John Mark, as we can tell just from those two little readings, John Mark's departure from the journey was viewed as a desertion and caused him to seriously fall out of favor with Paul the Apostle. In fact, Paul's distrust of John Mark, as we see in Acts 15, is like a couple of years after that journey. So obviously it it rankled Paul enough that it sat with him for a while. So when Paul wants to go and revisit all the churches and all the places, all the work that they've done with Barnabas, we see some deeper consequences of John Mark's failure, some John Mark's decision coming up. Barnabas, who was known to give people second chances, was known to be a very graceful guy, wants to cut his cousin, because John Mark was his cousin, a break, and Paul was not not on board with this at all. And so they have it out, and they get into a real sharp disagreement, a real argument about it, and whatever, it, whatever was said, and I actually have a hunch that Barnabas had some good points, because If you know the story of Paul's life, Barnabas was the one who gave him a second chance. Barnabas was the one who brought him in from the cold and really helped him out. But anyway, so whatever Barnabas might have said fell on deaf ears and they disagreed so sharply that Barnabas pulls out of the trip with Paul and says, no, I'm not going to go with you because you won't bring John Mark. And so they go separate ways and it ends up that Barnabas goes on the original journey to Cyprus first and Paul goes the other way around with Silas. And so what we have is this must have been a real low point in John Mark's life. All right, so Paul is the rising star in the church. He's the apostles to the Gentiles. And this, this rising star looks at John Mark and believes him to be a liability, to belie- believes him to be somebody who's not worth bringing on a journey. Not only this, but this whole situation and, and the cousin standing up for John Mark causes a rift between two, two really good companions and probably damaged a friendship, for, at least for a while. And, you know, things don't need to be that way, folks. You know, those of us, when we read the, the Bible like us, we're like, oh, you know, they were justified in there. Dis- no, they weren't justified. In- Paul and Barnabas blew it here. This is what I like about the Bible. It's not one of those old documents that glorifies the heroes. It, it tells it how it is. It tells Peter's flaws. It tells Paul's flaws. And in this moment, we see a flaw between Barnabas and Paul that their, their opinions and their disagreement about one individual kind of ruins their partnership. Now God comes and bows it out and they end up doing great work separately, but you know, fundamentally it was an embarrassment to the leadership of Barnabas and Paul. So it was a low point all around. And so here we have John Mark. He's in this low point. Yeah he's gonna to go to Cyprus with Barnabas, but he must have been feeling bad. There must have been stuff going down. So so what does he do? Well I'll tell you what he does do. John Mark did not allow this situation to define him. He, and he didn't let this situation define the ministry of the gospel all over the place. And so the next lesson we can learn from John Mark is this. Do not be defined by your failure. Keep moving forward. And you know, the story suggests that this is exactly what John Mark did. He would not allow his life to be defined by failure. And how do I know this from the story? Because this is the beauty of the New Testament. It goes over a period of... Bible. 30, 40 years, maybe even longer, depending on when you think Revelation was written. And so as we jump forward about 10 years from this incident in the lives of Paul and John Mark, we find that something has changed. So let me just read to you a little passage from Colossians 4, chapter 10. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae, and he says this to them. He goes, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings And so does Mark. This is John Mark. Paul's calling him Mark here. Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. And so we find out that John Mark has been busy. Whatever he's been up to, he has been busy. And we find that we find him 10 years later at Paul's side during the apostles' first imprisonment in Rome. And we reckon this is around about 61 AD to 63 AD. Not only this, he is described as a great comfort to Paul during the weary hours of his imprisonment. Later on, maybe four or five five years later in AD 68, we find Paul writing to Timothy, saying something along, along the same lines. And he gives this instruction to Timothy. He says, bring Mark with you, because it was profitable for Mark to be there with Paul. So now we find that Paul is now asking for people to bring Mark across the empire to be with him. And then round right about this time, as Mark comes over to Rome to be with Paul, we reckon it's round right about this time that he authors the Gospel of Mark, begins putting it together, getting all his his uh, information from the different witnesses and sources that he might have, might have done, and and he hangs around there for a while. We don't we're not sure how long he hangs around for, but we find that after Peter gets to Rome and Paul and Peter are martyred church tradition affirms that Mark actually left Rome and headed down to Alexandria in Egypt and founded the church there. And that church was a really big hitter for a a couple of hundred years and very influential in the early church. So in the end, after having a real bad start, a real low point, a point of failure, we find that John Mark becomes a true hero of our faith. And He is influential in shaping the way you and I live out our faith today. What a way to rise up from the ashes. And you know, this is his challenge to you. It's his challenge to me. Every time we think about his story, every time you open your Bible and you read anything from Mark, think about John Mark. Think about his rise from the ashes, from from failure to glory, if you like. And so his challenge to you is that rise up from it and start moving forward again. This is what John Mark did. He faced up to his failure and he learned from it and you can do the same. And this is key, this is key that you need to understand, that I need to understand when we rise up from our failure, is this, John Mark received grace, he learned from his experience and he left his failure behind. You know, the same thing needs to happen with you. There's a number of you watching, I honestly believe this, that, you know, you've allowed yourself to be defined by your failure of the past or your sins of the past. Maybe it's a sexual sin. Maybe you broke somebody's heart. Maybe, maybe you were involved in criminality. Whatever it is, you've got some serious sin in your past, and you can't get over it. You've uh, you've given your life to Jesus. You've asked Him to forgive you. But everything you do now, you, you, the relationships that you are that you are building in life, you're allowing those relationships. To be defined by your previous failure. This is not a good thing. This is not glorifying to the Lord. It is not what you've been called to. Because God has called you to rise up from those ashes, not to keep rolling around in them and use those ashes as an excuse to remind God why you're unworthy to serve Him. God knows you're unworthy, right? That's why Jesus came. That's what the cross is about. But God has made you worthy. He's taken the worthiness of Jesus and he's put it on you. And he said, okay, rise up from your ashes, learn from your mistakes, and now move forward and don't let those mistakes define you again. So if that's you, you need to make some decisions today. You need to stop looking at yourself a particular way in the mirror and start seeing yourself differently. You need to understand that failure is not the end. It's a lesson along the journey. God has let go of your failure. He is over it. He has moved on. You need to let go of it as well and to move on, to move forward too. You really need to understand this, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. You need to understand who you are in Christ. You need to understand your identity. You need to understand who God has made you to be. Yes, you still make mistakes. No, you're not perfect, but God looks at you like you are, and he calls you to walk into your new identity into your new perfection that will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back and gives you your new body one day. God is a God of mercy and grace, one who brings good things out of bad things. But if you don't let him bring a good thing out of your bad thing, you're denying him the ability to show you and the world how good he is. He is more than willing to pick you up when you fall. He is more than willing to forgive you your sins and failures. And not only that, to use them to make you a better son and daughter of the king of the universe. You know, you will fail. Your failures in the past aren't the only ones. You're going to fail in the future. I'm going to fail in the future. Heck, you know, if you're paying attention to yourself at all, we probably, each of us, fail in small ways and big ways every single day. But the thing is, is we can't be defined by those failures. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be defined by the fact that you are a child of the King. And you need to rise up from the ground like you are one. Do you believe this? Is this something that's part of your faith and your mindset? If not, you need to really sit down and pray today. Invite the Holy Spirit to come into you and reveal that truth to you. And to break any power that has a hold on you that you've allowed to come and and, and, and bind you down. Because you refuse to rise up from those ashes. Because you keep allowing yourself to be defined by your failures. You know, like I just said a second ago, this is what the cross is all about. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus. God has always been aware of the human condition. He's always known that we are prone to failure. And he knows that we can't meet these standards. He knows that we can't be perfect in this life. You know, but he calls us to aim for it. And he'll help us to move towards it all the time. And so he sent Jesus. Jesus has come and died on the cross that has given us forgiveness, that has taken away our sin. It's, 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 it's made a new agreement between us. And then he's risen Jesus up from the dead to prove to us that he can rise us up too. God has made a way for you to overcome your failures, to overcome your past, to overcome the destruction that you may have caused or that has been caused upon you either 10 years ago or last week. And he calls us to cast ourselves upon him, to cast ourselves upon the promises of the cross, to give ourselves wholly over to him and over to his son Jesus, over to the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. And he will begin to to, to produce a new work in us and help us to rise up from those ashes. And so that is the challenge to you today. Are you reaching out? Are you saying, God, will you help me to get up and rise up from these ashes and to begin moving forward again? Or are you allowing those ashes to be an excuse for you not to move, for you not to rise up, for you not to step into things that you know God is asking you to step into? Whichever situation it is, how about we just be still for a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to to minister into that holy spirit thank you that you're here with me and you're there with anybody else who's watching right now you're exercising the will of the father wherever we are would you just come right now come in power and set us free anybody who is right now being defined by their failure would you just set them free Wherever you are, just sit in a receptive posture and maybe your hands open and say, Holy Spirit, would you come set me free? If you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're realizing, wow, I am defined by my failures. I'm not a child of the King. I'm not forgiven for what I've done. I am not on a trajectory to be in the family of God. I'm separated from God. The bad news is that that separation, if you don't surrender to Jesus, is eternal. But the good news is Jesus came and suffered and died and rose again to new life so that you could be redefined, that you could be restored to your original purpose, what you were created for, that you could be forgiven and that you could have a new story, a new trajectory for your life, something something heroic. If that's something that you want today, I just encourage you right now to give your life to Jesus. Pray your best prayers, ask him to forgive you for your sins, tell him that your life belongs to him and that his way always comes first over your way and you will follow him. If you're not sure how to pray that, stick around. There's a slide coming up at the end of this message that you can text a number and we'll text you back and uh, give you a short prayer and that way we can connect with you as well and give you some more resources to help you in this journey following Jesus. If you're far away from us, contact the local church and let them know that you've decided to follow Jesus and they, they can begin to help you with that journey for the rest of you, just uh, have faith that God is resting on you right now and setting you free from some stuff. Just stay in that moment. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you and close it in a moment. But don't go anywhere. Let God keep moving on you and ministering to you and see what he does. And the prayer goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And give you peace. Thanks for listening and rise up from those ashes. See you next time. Bye.